Good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. If you guys are, if anyone here is first time guest, man, special welcome to you. Uh, so glad to have you here with us this morning. If you're first time online, man, we are so happy to have you here as well. Uh, something just to let you guys know about, um, if, you, if you've come recently and you've not attended one of our Getting to Know Northern Hills, I want to invite you to be part of that. It's next Sunday. We do it during the second service. Um, it's just an opportunity for you to get to know a little bit about the mission and vision of Northern Hills. Um, I'll be there to be able to kind of talk us through some of those pieces. Um, some of our other staff will be there as well. But it's also an opportunity for us to get to meet you, to get to know you a little bit more as well. So if you want to do that, I want to encourage you, register online. Um, we would love to see you there. We have usually coffee and some snacks. Um, be able to join us. If you've got kids, you can actually have them in the um, nursery with you and uh, the children's ministry as well. So it gives you an opportunity to come. So come to the first service. Come join us upstairs for a second service. We'd love to have you there. Well, today we're continuing on in our series in the ring, and we've chosen to do this series for a couple of reasons. One is as a church, we believe that it's vital for us to invest in marriages. We think it's so important. We think that, that marriage is something that was designed and purposed by God. And so as a church, we really believe that there's value in us in us investing in marriages. Another reason is right now, in this current season, we truly believe that our marriages have been under attack at a significantly higher level. And I think in the reality that's all understandable. I think the pressures and the, the current seasons and the things that we've been through has created a lot of stress on our marriages. And those, those things individually hit us. They hit us with our relationships, but they especially hit us in our marriages. I know the seasons brought stress to, to my marriage with Terry. I know that I, I say that, you know, so people don't, not for people to worry about it, or, but I say it really just to be the real. I mean, no one is immune from these challenges, especially a pastor and his wife. It's just not possible. See, we're real people. We are broken. I fall short so often what God has designed me to be as a husband. I say selfish stuff. I make mistakes. I'm a work in progress. It doesn't mean, though, that Terry and I don't love each other. It doesn't mean that we're not united, but it does mean that we have to put extra effort into our marriage and work harder on it than ever before. And many marriages right now are struggling, even to the point of surviving. But that's not what God wants for us, is it? He doesn't want our marriages just to survive. He wants our marriages to thrive. So in order to help our marriages thrive, we're saying, hey, we're going to get in the ring. We're going to give some, some tools for us to work through and take steps through all of this. So the question that I have for us all to start off this morning is, in your marriage, do you and your spouse ever see things differently? Now, that should be a funny question, I think, because I don't know about you, but I've always, I mean, I don't know a marriage that, that doesn't see things just a little bit differently. I mean, you think about those things, and all those, those differences, the way you see things, can cause conflict in our marriage. And those conflicts can add up and, and contribute to one another, and then, then they become a fight. And then, I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen, when, when all of a sudden you're, you're in this big fight and everything else, and you, you look back and you think, like, how the heck did we even get here? I mean, how did this even start? And then I think back, and I'm like, oh yeah, that was because we were fighting over, we had a, a disagreement on the way we were supposed to fold bath towels. I mean, anybody ever have something like that? I mean, something simple. In fact, I want to just see if we can solve it all here. You guys can help solve all of my marriage problems. Take a, take a look at this picture right here, all right? There's two ways of folding a bath towel, okay? And I want you to applause when, when, and for the one that you, that the way you do it. So who applauds? Number one, who folds it that way? Okay. How about number two? Yeah. Number one, you're wrong. Um, so just to let you know that. 
Um, number two is the way that I fold my towels. And so that was my, our conflict and things like happened. But I want to let you know that after about 25 years of marriage, we, we found Marie Kondo on Netflix, and she solved all of our marriage problems because she introduced number three, which is that way. And so now we fold our towels that way. We couldn't agree with one and two. We agreed with number three, and they look beautiful. So, so just to let you know, all right, we're all there. And here's the thing, public service announcement, all right, and this is probably more for me to kind of make sure that I don't get phone calls all next week. Don't fight on this on the way home. Don't discuss which way to do this, all right? I don't want to get all the calls and have to get marriage counseling and all that stuff going on. But see, the reality is we have conflict over towels. I mean, come on, how does that even happen? Well, I think it happens because people marry someone that's different from us. We marry someone who's different from us. Especially if you can think back to when you were first dating and you first met. Terry and I are now in our 29th year of marriage, and I, I do think we become a little bit more similar the longer we've been married. I think it's over those years you, you tend to compromise with each other and you start to understand and see those things. But as I look back to the very beginning of our relationship, we were very different. When I met Terry, one of the attributes that attracted to me was her all-out love for God. Okay, if I'm honest, the first thing that attracted to me is I thought she was smoking hot. But after that, I, honestly, I thought, I'm like, man, I just love her love for God. I mean, it just was so inspiring to me. I'd have to describe, I was probably more in my infancy, maybe a toddler when it came to my relationship with God. I'd been a believer since I was eight, but just hadn't taken it as seriously. And I saw her, and it inspired me, and I really appreciated that so much of her. There are other differences that we had in our relationship as well. Terry's an extrovert. I'm more introverted. She fuels up by being around people. I recharge with solitude. Terry's spontaneous. I'm more methodical and and planned out. Um, Terry doesn't like budgeting so much, and I'm like overwhelming with that. I mean, I really, really love that. But so you see all those things, and you understand because you you guys have all heard the phrase opposite attracts, and I think that is so true in so many cases. And I think that's the reason why a lot of us find, pursue, and marry someone who's different from us. And in our dating and early marriage, we appreciate that. We love that. We are so attracted to that. And as time goes along, that, that characteristics that drew us towards our spouse have the potential to become differences that we no longer appreciate. And they even can cause stress and, and conflict in our marriage if we don't really deal with them. But the fact that we are different and, and designed differently is often what God is wanting for us. He's designed that for our marriage so that we can make our marriages better. But the deal is we need to recognize it, and we need to make a promise to each other regarding it. And that's what we're going to be spending our time in today. First, I want to take just a moment to review where we've been over this series. As I mentioned, we've been diving into this whole idea of, of how can we find some tools and to invest in our marriages right now to, to make them better, or even if we're not married, to maybe go look and say, how can I make my marriage better when I, when I do get there, if I get there? And, and some of the things that we've been looking at different promises is promise number one, first week we looked at, was that I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse my second. This is so critical to our marriages. Because I don't know how many times I've looked back on our marriage and gone, man, I'm so thankful we are both grounded and we have that priority of God as number one in our lives. Because the reality is just like you build a house, you build a house with a very strong foundation. So if something comes away, it'll be able to handle the storms of life. And the same thing about our marriage. And God needs to be that foundation. He needs to be the priority. Promise number two was I promise I will always pursue my two 
This is all about us chasing after each other. We look back to our marriages at the very beginning and how we were dating. We pursued each other. We went after each other. We showed those, those, the love and desire there. And after time, we start to lose that. But how we need to get back to pursuing each other. And today we're going to be talking about promise number three. And that's a promise our marriage will be about we and not about me. I promise my marriage will be about we and not about me. This is so powerful because when we get married, we need to change our perspective from it all being about me and everything about me to it being about we, us. This promise is all about the promise of partnership. It's the covenant relationship that we make before each other and before God when we get married. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to lose our individuality. That's an important part of who it is. But it does mean that we need to make sure that we realize that the world doesn't revolve around us. That we need to make that effort to be together in things. Before we get into this, I want to take a moment to address those of you that have experienced the pain and the brokenness of divorce. I know there's many people that call this church, your church home, that are, have gone through a divorce or going through a divorce right now. And I've talked to several people this last week who, who have reflected back on things and say, man, if I, if I knew what I knew now, I would have done things differently the first time. I would have done things a little bit differently. So hearing some of the things that we're saying throughout the series can, can be hard. It can, it can feel condemning, but please understand that is not our heart. That is not our heart in all of this. Our goal is simply to examine what the Bible says about marriage and know that maybe we can't change the past, but we can build a solid foundation for the future that will help our marriages be God-honoring and generation-changing. So please know you're not being judged, but let's open our hearts together to see what God can teach us today, all right? The main verse that we've been looking at throughout the series is Genesis 2, 24. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. This is that, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. They will become one flesh, inseparable, not to be taken apart. This whole idea of the two becoming one was God's from the very, very beginning. And then Jesus came and he reinforced that whole thought. We see that in Matthew 19, verse 3 through 6. It said, some Pharisees came to Jesus and they tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce your wife for any reason? Verse 4, haven't you, heard, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united to one. Jesus was referring back. He said the same thing we just read in Genesis 2, 24. But he adds a little bit more in verse 6. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. This whole idea of marriage was God's from the very beginning. And then Jesus came and he reinforced this whole idea as well. That this marriage, that, our, that it's not about this. When, when we have a wedding and we get married, that's, this is what, what we're doing. We're doing this whole idea of agreeing that, man, our marriage is not about me anymore. My life is not about me. It's now about we together as one. It's all about we and not just me. I've had the opportunity to officiate some weddings recently. I've got another one coming up here in May. And usually during um, the message time of it, I talk about the marriage covenant and how the marriage covenant is different from a contract. We, we hear the words con covenant and contract, and, and I think we're more familiar with the word contract. I mean, think about the word contract. You, maybe some of you are employed and you've signed an employment contract. Uh, maybe others of you, maybe part of your job is that you go out to other businesses and you get them to sign contracts with your company in order to do business. 
You think about cell phones, and everyone probably has a cell phone, and you signed a cell phone contract. If you rent a house or an apartment, you signed a rental contract. If you have a mortgage, it's a mortgage agreement, but that's really all about a contract. I don't know about you. Anybody signed a mortgage agreement lately? Oh my gosh, what a, like, we're just signing your name and signing your name and signing your name. You're like, oh, what am I doing? I remember the first time I did that, I didn't know if I was going to make it through it. But all that pressure is that contract. But the contract is all about, hey, if you do this, then we will do this. If you do this, then I will do this. If you pay your rent or mortgage, they allow you to live there. If you pay your cell bill, you can use the cell towers and stop paying the bill. Your service will be cut off. And a contract is based on mutual distrust. Does that make sense? A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant is entirely different. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. I promise our marriage will be about we and not about me. That's what we're all about when we enter in that marriage covenant. That's what we're saying. It's all about we. Both of us are in this 100%. And often we hear people talk about marriage and say, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. But I want to challenge that thought and get us to think of it a little bit differently. Because I think 50-50, I think, implies more of a contract mentality. I will do this if you do this. I'll meet you halfway. I'll meet you as part of the way. And we may see this work from time to time, but I think ultimately it is reinforcing this idea that marriage is about me and not about we. What if instead we have a mentality that of marriage being a 100%, a giving 100% of ourselves to our spouse, about committing to a covenant partnership that's all about we. Your marriage will be as good as both of you decide for it to be. That is so, so key. Your marriage will be as good as both of you decide for it to be. So what does this look like? What does a covenant partnership look like? Well, to dig dig a little bit deeper, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be starting at verse 21. And here we see the Apostle Paul in a letter to the church of Ephesus giving instructions to husbands and wives. Now, I want to take a moment and make sure that we know the most important part of this passage, I believe, that we're going to look at is, is verse 21. See, this verse is sometimes overshadowed, and I think it's forgotten because of the, the verses that follow out with specific instruction to husbands and wives. But this verse is, is critical. It sets the tone, and it text, sets the context for the following verses. Verse, verse 21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul is saying, you know how much you love you know how much you revere Christ? I want you to take that awe. I want to take that reverence. Take that love. And I want you to point that towards your spouse. Serve each other just like Christ did for the church. And what did Christ do? He gave his life. Paul says this is a critical component. For marriage to work like it's supposed to be, first and foremost, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutually submit. Go all out for each other. So why do I make such an emphasis of this? Well, too often in the past, and I think even currently, these next verses that we're going to dive into have been used by men as a power play over women. But when we read this in context of these verses and this idea of marriage being about we and not about me, we see it as being consistent with how Christ served the church. I want to take a look at these following verses we're going to be looking in the message paraphrase because I really like how it brings into this context of, of we and together. 
Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 24 says this. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. That is so key. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. So what is this saying? So just as Christ leads us, as Christ leads us, the church, we submit to him. Wives are to look to their husbands to lead and to submit to them. And if husbands are serving wives like Christ served the church, that's the key. This becomes an easy thing to do. But if the husband takes the role and if he uses it to domineer, that is not consistent with how Christ served the church. In that case, it becomes all about me and not about we. Here's the irony. Christ had all the authority to rule and demand things of us. He had all the right and authority to do so. He's God after all, right? But he didn't. What did he do? He came and served us. He loved us. He cherished us. And he sacrificed his life for us. Men, that's a lot to live up to. And to get even more clarification, let's continue with the specific instructions that it leads for men and for husbands. Verses 25 and following. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant in holiness. What an incredible picture is portrayed there of Christ's love for the church. I just absolutely love that. And it continues on. It says, and that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. They're already one in marriage. I promise our marriage will be about we and not about me. See, a true covenant partnership has two components. It has mutual submission and godly leadership. Mutual submission and godly leadership. Men, I'm going to challenge us, all of us, to lead, to lead well. Leading doesn't mean that we make all the decisions. If you feel that way, you're in more of a dictatorship and about domineering than you are about anything else, and especially about godly leadership. Your goal is to set the tone and the direction of your marriage. Let me give you an example of that as, as it per pertains to how I lead here at Northern Hills Church. My role here is as the lead pastor, but that does not mean that I make all the decisions. It does not mean that I preach all the messages. I have an incredible team and empowered them, and they lead out in all different directions, and they lead so well in those things. But I'm accountable, and I'm responsible to set the tone and the vision for our church. But I choose to do that in context of a team. Men, we are teams. We are a team with our wives. We are called to set the spiritual tone of our families. We are called to partner with our wives in how we raise our children to know and love God. We are called to partner with our wives in our pursuit of knowing God, in our pursuit each of, of each other in the midst of that. We are called to partner with our lives to love them as Christ loved the church and remember Christ died for the church. If we come into challenging times here at church, I'm called to be in the front lines and lead the way. In my home, I'm called to do the same. I'm called to serve and protect my family through whatever comes 
our way and to look to partner with my wife by my side. So men, let's lead with integrity. Let's lead with humility. Let's lead by cherishing. Let's lead by being mutual submiss- mutually submissive in our leadership. And if you're in marriage where the wife is more of a natural leader when it comes to spiritual things, be okay with that. Man, that's okay. Submit to those things. Submit to each other in the midst of those things. Talk about it. Discuss it. Grow with each other. Take steps towards him together as one, not separated. Remember, it's all about we and not about me. For all of us, men and women, how do we do this? Well, first, I think we need to change our mentality. Make sure that we change our mentality. Your marriage is not about what you can get out of it. It's about what you decide to put into it. Each and every one of us. What are we putting into our marriage? Not what are we trying to get out of it? If you've been focusing too much on getting things from your marriage, ask God to change your focus. Ask him to do a change within you to say, how can I change my things? To be able to to focus on that other person, to serve them, to know what my responsibility is and to know that I'm putting effort into it. Too often we become selfish in our marriages saying, man, I'm not getting this or I'm not getting that out of my marriage. Our first move is to take responsibility for me and making sure that I'm giving 100% to my marriage instead of focusing on what I'm getting out of it. The next thing that we need to do, we need to change our actions. In your marriage, don't do what's best for me. Do what's best for we. I've mentioned this before as something that that Terry and I have done each year, um, usually on or around December 31st of each year. We sit down and we, we look back on our last year and we kind of reflect back and we celebrate the different blessings that we've seen God do throughout our year. But then we take some time to sit down and to be focused on what that next year looks like, to talk about individual things that, that we want to accomplish in the year, but, but most importantly, to talk about dreams that we want to do together. Some of those things are, are very, very different. Some of those things represent how God has wired each of us how he's made us very, very differently, how we are uniquely but perfectly designed for each other. And man, I cannot express to you how valuable this time is for us to get on the same page with each other. Because I think a lot of conflict in marriage happens when we have expectations that are not spoken and we're unable to meet those because one, we don't even know about them, but one, we're holding each other accountable for something that we've never had a conversation about. We get too focused on me And we forget about that covenant partnership deal. But when we share our dreams, when we share our desires with each other, it brings us together. It allows us to get on the same page. We figure out how to accomplish things together because a marriage is so much better when we're pulling on the same rope and we're pulling in the same direction. So a challenge that I have for all of us this week is to at least schedule a time, schedule a date, an opportunity for you to get away, to have no distractions, for just for you to get together, to dream together on what it looks like, what we looks like, to share thoughts about your individual goals so you can pray for each other, you can encourage each other and support each other. But more importantly, for you to set some dreams together on what that next year looks like. I'm going to encourage you to think through some different areas of your life. Think of some things in, in your relationally. Think of, well, how, what can we do together relationally with other friends and, and with family members to, to be about we? How can we grow in taking steps um, physically and how we take care of ourselves and how we eat 
and what that influences on each other. How do we grow intellectually? What ways can we be challenged to learn? Because we know how learning is so valuable to keep us sharp. How can we think about our finances and be on the same page? We know that money is a challenging thing for relationships, but how can we get on the same page to make sure that we're pursuing those things together? And how can we pursue God together? What does that look like to invest in that relationship, to take steps together to pursue him and to have fun, spend some time dreaming about having fun together and pursuing each other? And here's the other thing, man, if you are the creative type, maybe even do a follow-up appointment to that and to create a vision board for you. Something that will remind you all throughout the year that, man, your marriage is about we and you've made some decisions together on things that you're going to pursue together, you're going to go after together because it's that important to you. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe, maybe one of those goals will be how you can reduce conflict over how to fold a bath towel. Maybe that'd be a good place to start. Guys, if you want to come be part of our marriage seminar, I want to invite you to become, come, come to that on Saturday, May 8th. And really all this is going to be about, we're talking about things and areas in our lives that, that can cause conflict. And it's not because we're bad people. It's not because of anything. It's just because things are tough and marriage is hard. But how can we turn that conflict into deeper intimacy? I want to invite you. You haven't signed up yet already. We have like over 30 some couples already signed up. So I'm so excited about it. It's going to be a great night. We're having some fun. We're going to learn together. But really just being able to take that time to be about we, to make that investment. I want to encourage you to do that. Go online. You can sign up on our website and register there. All right? Come do that. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you uh, for just who you are. Father, thank you that you gave us an example as husbands and as wives on how much that we need to pursue each other by what you've done for us. And Jesus, you pursued us to the end. And you gave your life for us. And Father, we are so thankful for that. And if there's anyone here today that has not yet made that decision to follow Jesus, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online. I believe that today is the day that God would love to have you make that decision. To be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done trying to make the world revolve around me. That I know I need to start by giving my life to you, Jesus. And Father, I just ask for that. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. To wash me clean, to give me a clean slate. And he did that through his resurrection that he conquered death and now sits at the right hand of the Father. So now I can believe and put my trust in you. And if you've not yet done that, I want to challenge you. And what are you waiting for? Make that decision today. Give your life to Jesus. Ask him to come in and fill you up. And know that, man, that's the first start in this whole thing about creating a good foundation is to develop that relationship with him for your marriage. Know that maybe life isn't going to be easy after that, but know that you have his strength beside you and the Holy Spirit living within you. Father, thank you for those assurances. Thank you for who you are and how you work in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name.
Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.